It is Tuesday, July 27th. Welcome to the Richie Allen Show from a wet and miserable Salford. It's miserable thunderstorms in the air, weather warnings and all of that old jazz. What's your day been like? Well, you can't tell me on Twitter anymore. For the moment, you'll have to contact me through my website, richieallen.co.uk. I'll have more news on how you can reach me during the programme, if not later on this evening, tomorrow on the website. You're very welcome to the show. I think I've said that already. It's the BBG, not the BBC. You're listening to the Richie Allen Radio Show, live from Salford in Greater Manchester. Yeah, I'll take Cade Mila Fortier to whole new levels. I really will say five or six hundred times a show, or a thousand. Welcome to the programme. You are welcome. Let's do it then. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Now, a little bit later on, James Perloff, the author, blogger and broadcaster, will join me, no stranger to this programme. He's uh, uploaded a really interesting and very well put together blog on his website, jamesperloff.net. We'll chat about that and much more. Before that, in about 25 minutes, I'll be joined by the former nurse Kate Shemarani and we'll be discussing Saturday's rally in Trafalgar Square and the accusations that have been levelled at Kate by the British press and by some NHS workers. You might be aware she's been accused of inciting violence against doctors and nurses. She says that she wasn't. We'll chat about that and more, as I said, in about 25 minutes' time. Drop me a line through the web, through the letterbox, through the website, richieallen.co.uk. This is, after all, your Richie Allen radio show. Now, I don't know if you've been on the website today, but let me just say this. I will not be opening a Twitter account again. You know, I won't be uploading to YouTube again. I haven't done since last year. And I'm no longer on Facebook. And I never will be again. To stay in touch with the programme, you've got to... And I don't mean during the live programme. But off air, off air even, you need to check in with richieallen.co.uk. Hang on. I've just drunk a pint of water. Hang on. Yes, a closed mouth catches no flies. Feels like I swallowed a fly there. The old woman. Got to get a spider in there. Now, um, you'll remember several years ago, me and Hayden Hewitt speaking about the need for people to have their own websites to get away from social media and its shadow banning. Well, I'm there, and I have been there for some time. Check in with my website regularly if you're interested in what what's going on, at least from my perspective. Okay, richieallen.co.uk. That's the way it's going to be from now on in. You might have read today a story which originated in The Telegraph, and I picked up on it. The journalists Laura Donnelly and Harry York, they've claimed that more than half of COVID hospitalizations are patients who tested positive after they were admitted to hospital with something else. Now, this won't come as too much of a shock to you. The surprise is, this is the essence of the mainstream media, the heartland of the mainstream media, and it is running this very important story. It means that huge numbers of people who've been labelled as hospitalised by COVID were not 
hospitalised as COVID at all. In fact, they were taken to hospital for something else. It could be anything. And then COVID was picked up during routine testing. And the testing, of course, was more than likely the thoroughly discredited PCR test. Now, this is fraud. And that isn't my opinion. It is fraud. Because the government has always known this. Yet, the government claimed that the NHS was under enormous pressure from COVID-19 cases. And it used that erroneous claim to impose draconian and devastating lockdowns on the UK. And, as The Telegraph points out today, in a brilliantly written piece by Donnelly and York, there was no attempt at any time to distinguish between those admitted with severe illness, later found to be caused by COVID, and those in hospital for different reasons who might not have even known that they had picked up COVID were it not for the fact they had been given that routine test. Simply stated, as I said in the article today, when someone came in with heart palpitations or symptoms of stroke or a car crash or anything, they were given a a PCR test, the discredited test which returns a high rate of false positives. So when the stroke or heart attack patient then tested positive for COVID, they were listed as a COVID hospitalisation. I believe this to be breathtakingly corrupt. I'm not surprised. It wasn't bad policy. It wasn't mismanagement. They knew what they were doing. They're still doing it. The Telegraph has run it. The Mail Online picked it up. But I didn't find a single broadcast broadcaster today who's run with the story. Not one. You probably won't be surprised. It went on the Telegraph website last night. This morning, neither Sky nor the BBC thought it appropriate to ask government ministers what the hell is going on because it should be game over. This admission, this announcement, which we suspected all along, we knew this. This isn't, you know, groundbreaking to me and you, but for the vast majority of people in the UK, this will be absolute bombshell news. The NHS was never overwhelmed by COVID patients. Again, stop shouting, I can hear you, through the cybersphere. I know you knew. I knew. This rubber stamps it. It should be game over. But the broadcast media, not interested. Now, Greg Clark, the chairman of the Common Science and Technology Select Committee, he said he'd be writing to Sajid Javid, the health secretary, asking him to publish the breakdown on a regular basis. But they probably won't. It's no wonder they're so reluctant to release the data, because it destroys the narrative. And today they're saying that cases have dropped for the sixth day in a row, because people might be wising up to the testing trap. If the cases are disappearing, could it be because Joe Public has realised the futility of testing? You never know. We, we're told, reliably, that thousands and thousands of people a day are deleting the NHS app from their phones. I'm not trying to give you false hope at all, but um, more and more people are getting a bit fed up of it, even if they haven't wised up to the bigger picture. But the pressure on the younger folks is relentless. It remains 
relentless. Only 60% of the under 30s in the UK have had one jab. That is the claim of the MSM. There appears to be a real reluctance on the part of younger men and younger women. Michael Gove, the Cabinet Office Minister, told reporters today that those who have, re- who have excuse me, refused the jabs are selfish and they're putting the lives of others at risk. He said that today. I've written about it on richieallen.co.uk. It's been relentless today. Here's Sky News' Kay Burley, also known as, a.k.a. the Ginger Ninja, reporting on the vaccine rollout and the need to jab younger people. Here she is introducing the oncologist Angus Dalgleish and Kay wants to debunk some of those vaccine myths. I can never say myth. Myths with Angus Dalgleish. Here's her gingerness. Let's talk about the vaccine rollout, should we? It it was extended, as many of you will know, to uh, the younger age group. There has been growing concern, though, about their low uptake of the jab. One of the main reasons for this is believed to be the large number of myths surrounding the vaccination, rush testing, risks involved and damaged infertility, to name but a few. So let's talk about it in more detail. Onco- oncologist Professor Angus Dalgleish, um, he's going to try and unravel, oh he's over here, some of the myths that may be worrying young people. Hello to you, thank you for joining us on the programme this morning, it's great to see you. Let's try and debunk some of those myths, should we, that young people have. It's going to alter their DNA. It's going to alter their DNA. As subtle as a sledgehammer on a walnut is Kay Burley. DNA interference, Angus, from the jab. What say you, pal? Absolutely no evidence of that, or even in theory, I cannot understand how the vaccine could alter the DNA. So, I mean, that's, that's an end of That's very, that, that, that is a very, very science fiction um, extrapolation of things, which uh, I don't think there's any, any evidence at all. We, we just move on from that. The tests were just too rushed, apparently. Um, lots of concern and anxiety that we managed to get this uh, vaccine out very quickly. All right, Kay. Just before we get his answer on whether the tests were too rushed or not, I've got to give him a pass on the DNA question. Now, you and I have listened on this programme to eminent scientists who do believe that these mRNA jabs will affect a DNA change in, in, in our cells, right? But there are other eminent scientists who also don't like the jabs. They disagree. So I'm going to give him a pass because I suspect that these jabs will have some impact on our DNA. But I can't say you're absolutely wrong. So give him a pass on that. What did Kay say to him there? Oh, a lot of young people, says Kay, believe that the jabs have been rushed out. That they came out too quickly. You would have thought this was a slam dunk. You'd have thought. Here's his answer. That was rather incredible that we managed to get it out very quickly. And uh, Very incredible. Uh, even I was surprised, uh, uh, knowing how long these things take. But the reason for that is they did everything in parallel. So whereas you don't normally do phase one, phase two, phase three, everything was done in parallel. So uh, everything went along together. And that was the reason they were able to do everything very quickly, as they say, but at the same time, this involved enormous numbers of people. So it, it wasn't rushed. It wasn't just done in uh, a few dozen people or even a few hundred people and then rushed out. This was done in the tens of thousands and then hundreds of thousands. And now we've had millions vaccinated. Uh, but um, what about... Mm, mm, mm. He said it wasn't rushed, that things were done in parallel that ordinarily would have taken years. It wasn't rushed, he says. Our survey says... <coughs> Our survey says he's lying. 
or he's he's wrong. <laughs> More like it, he's wrong. Of course it was rushed. And it wasn't trialled on tens of thousands of people at all or anything like it. It was trialled in very small groups. We know this to be absolutely true. And we also know that they don't have any long-term data on the impact of these jabs on people. So they don't know what things might be like for you six months, eight months, 12 months, a year and a half, two years or five years down the road. So he's gotten that one wrong. Next, Kesht K. What does she say next? What about Big Pharma not being able to be trusted? Wow. What about Big Pharma not being able to be trusted? Who's writing this script for Kay? This is a good one. Big Pharma not to be trusted. Angus? Well, um, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good point. Um, that, that's a good point. That, uh, you, you cannot deny that uh, Big Pharma have a, a rather dubious record. The FDA have fined most of them. Uh, millions and millions of pounds. No, it's actually billions. It's for misrepresentation over the years. But on this occasion, that uh, they would be in really serious problems if they misrepresented on uh, the vaccine because... Why? This is interesting now. He said in this case, even though they've been fined billions in the past for their, well, well, their dodgy dealings and their, their massive fraud. I mean, big pharmaceutical companies, all of them, all of them collectively, everyone you can name, has been fined uh, billions over the years for doing things like falsifying testing data. Yeah, for burying information that emerged in the trials of certain drugs. That's what these guys do. They'll trial a drug, people will die and they'll bury it. And they'll release the drug anyway. Right, and they'll get it released through the US government, through the FDA, through the the corruption that goes with that, the revolving door, and then they'll get fined billions, but it doesn't matter. That's what they do. Now this is interesting. This time we don't have to worry, he says. And then he gives probably the most bizarre answer you'll ever hear in your life. Of the way that I, I believe is that they all requested identity. So they They've all requested indemnity. By indemnity, I think he means indemnity. We shouldn't worry because the vaccine companies requested indemnity. Just in case you think that I'm stitching them up here, I'm not. It's that they all requested indemnity, right. so they, they wouldn't be uh, held accountable. Or yes, they requested indemnity so they wouldn't be held accountable. They went wrong, but they will be held accountable if they uh, try to uh, cover up or deny something going wrong. And that's, they won't. And that's a, that is a really big, uh, I believe, assurance to people uh, what? having the vaccine. What? Has that guy lost his bloody mind? Not sure about this one now. Asked by Kay Verley, Angus, what about Big Pharma? Not to be trusted. He said, well, no, that's a good point. They've been fined billions, he said millions, over the years. But this time it's okay because they requested indemnity. They requested indemnity, and because they requested indemnity, they're really in trouble if something goes wrong. Our survey said... <coughs> absolutely bollocks. <laughs> Garbage. Oh, God. Final question, Kay. Young women worried that they might become infertile having taken the vaccine. That is always a, uh, a concern with any, uh, any drug or vaccine. And uh, to date, I don't think we have any, uh, any reason to suspect that's a problem. I am very aware of uh, this because people, when, when we discuss this, raise the uh, thalidomide problem. But there's absolutely uh, nothing in parallel with the vaccine with the thalidomide debacle that we're 
uh, was, de- was decades ago. How can he say that? How can he say that you can't draw a comparison between the vaccines and thalidomide? The vaccines have only been with us for six months, seven months, give or take. That's how long they've been around. They were rushed into existence. We know they are doing severe damage to people. How can he possibly say, you know, that it's all right, like, it's all right, Jack, you know, don't worry about it. Uh, if, uh, there's no problems with fertility. He can't say that, but he does anyway. And uh, I, d- I think that uh, you basically wouldn't take anything at all uh, if you were um, concerned with this. And uh, I-, I think we've got, we've got no evidence on it. And uh, getting... It all goes back to... If Kay had any brains or any courage, Kay would say to him, well, the Sunday Times ran a story some weeks ago that suggested that people who... Women, young women or women, women who still menstruate, they've been reporting very heavy bleeding and other issues. And some of them think it has something to do either with being jabbed themselves or being around somebody who's being jabbed. So Kay could have said that, but, but of course, no chance. They're getting COVID. And I think the young people that don't get COVID in the same way as older people did, we know that people are, younger people are getting uh, ill now and going to the hospitals and they appear to be more infections than the young. That's because everybody else is vaccinated. And uh, so I, I basically think that that's, that's something that should not be held as a concern. Um, and one that we hear all the time, young people saying, I'm only going to get mild symptoms, so why should I worry even if I do get COVID? Well, well, the, ob- the answer is obvious, right? Long COVID. Go on. Well, that's, uh, I mean, that is very true for the, the vast majority. But the reason that I uh, think people should uh, think very carefully and uh, go along with it is long COVID. Long COVID. I have seen some really dreadful cases of long COVID. Long COVID. He's seen some really dreadful cases of long COVID. And hysterically, he goes on to say that in some cases, long COVID can leave a young person feeling as if they've been in a massive car accident. He actually says that. You can find the clip on Sky's YouTube channel. But we're going to move on very swiftly. It's 18 minutes past the hour. You are contacting me through the website. Thank you. I'm going to ask Caden Hewitt to do something with the with the menu bar on the website so that we can leave something where we'll have a tab, a tab on the menu bar where you can leave comments during the live programme. I think that's probably the best way to do it. We'll, we'll, um, we'll, we'll do something tomorrow anyway. Today, a bit late today. Mark says, it's a great mystery to me. How you doing, Mark? If you go to an A&E with respiratory problems, they immediately presume COVID and go completely mental. Uh, they locked me in an office for an hour, he said. They make out that you have put the vulnerable at risk by attending by attending the clinic. I got sent home without any treatment. The hospital itself never does any testing, so how are they ever to know the truth? And what is a person to do with genuine respiratory problems? Also, if the standard tests are misleading, what actual test do they use to get the true picture? It's a good question, Mark. Don't ask me. Search me. Andy says, was just thinking that the oncologist seemed to be referring to the VAX rollout as part of the study. Because he said hundreds, then thousands, and now millions. The fact is, it is millions who are taking part in the study until 2023. So maybe he was sneakily actually telling the truth? Question mark, says Andy. Hope you get what I'm saying. I do get what you're saying. Of course it's still in trials. Of course it is. You're absolutely right. Hi to Gail. How you doing, Gail? Carol tweets, Richie, did you see Dr. Hillary... What's his surname, this guy? Jones, is it? Hilary Jones on Good Morning Britain. He looked quite disappointed at the news of numbers of cases dropping yet again today. Did he? 
Did he look disappointed? I didn't see it this morning. Hi to Sarah Plumley. How you doing, Sarah? Nice to hear from you. Sarah was on the programme with me not long ago. She's a teacher based in France and uh, I'll be asking her back on in the near future. Thank you, Sarah, for your uh, for your message. Thank you a lot. Right, let's see, let's see. Right. And I've had a, a message from, from the same Carol. Do I acknowledge support received for the programme? I want to be sure, as I don't, no, donated and haven't heard back. I do, Carol. I do. What I do is I send a message to whatever email address is connected to your PayPal thing. So sometimes it'll go into your spam or your junk folder without you realising it. That being said, um, I, I won't reach everybody. And it's mea culpa. It it does my head in that. I'd like to email everybody, but I don't reach everybody. So let me say again, if you've ever supported the programme in any way, you have my undying gratitude. Honestly, you've no idea how much it means to me. If you never got an email from me, please don't think that I'm some sort of callous person who doesn't care. By God, I care. Believe me. But I'm a one-man band, no producer, no editor. It's just me. And I just get behind with emails all the time. That's that's the honest to God truth. Kim is listening in the Virgin Islands in the US, uh, listening since 2016. Thanks, Kim, for all your messages. Listen, don't um, lament the YouTube thing. I don't care about, excuse me, uh, Twitter. I don't care about it. Uh, hi to Richard Kelly. I really don't. It's a pain in the arse, is Twitter. And um, I've never liked social media. I don't really want to be on it. So, you know, I'm no martyr to the social media companies, you know. You get what I'm saying, do you? Look, very big story that I can't really get into today, but I'd like to get into because it's an issue that I've covered many times on this radio programme. And it is that story coming out of Lambeth Council. You know, staff and councillors, it's been announced today, presided over a culture of cover-up that ended up leading to 700 children in South London care homes suffering sexual abuse and cruelty. So the independent inquiry into child sexual abuse, which is going on and on and on and on, as you know, has strongly criticised the council for allowing abuse in five homes from the 60s to the 90s. This is a very big story and it's important. And I know there are people who are affected by it and they would like to talk on programmes like this. Of course, I'll make room for you. It's a big story. And, uh, of course, we'll we'll talk about it. All right, so don't think I'm not covering it this afternoon. I mentioned on my website today, go to richieallen.co.uk and check it out. The And I've mentioned in this programme already, the pressure is relentless. Not for me, and hopefully not for you, but for, again, those younger adults to go and get the jab. Piers Morgan. Now, I'm not suggesting for a moment that Piers Morgan has any sway with younger people, but he does have a profile. He's a big television profile here, and he writes for the Daily Mail. He's been calling for anti-vaxxers in America, but he means everywhere to be banned from every social media account, because, as he puts it, they are destroying everybody's chances of freedom. Morgan isn't very bright, is he, really? He calls them deluded, ill-informed, scaremongering people... Uh, won't have the jab and they're putting everybody else at risk. And he goes on to say in his piece today, and I've basically dissected what he said, that people's theories, their anti-vax sentiments, have, um, well, he suffered as a result of it, he says, because he went and had two jabs, he said. And then he got COVID, he said, and he was as sick as he's felt from any illness, he said. 
but he says that he never came close to being hospitalised because he had the vaccine. This is mental. I, I put in my piece today, there's none so blind as those who, who will not see. Johnson, uh, Johnson, uh, Morgan won't question the efficacy of the jabs or the safety of the jabs. He jumps straight to the conclusion that those who have refused to get the jabs somehow gave him COVID even though he was double jabbed. It's insanity. It would be insane in any other decade. But we're in a special decade now, aren't we? 24 minutes past the hour. Crazy. He went on to talk about the riot in the Capitol building. You might be aware that a hearing into that is going on in the United States in D.C. this afternoon. Rather bizarre to see so many people in uniform crying about their experiences of trying to defend the Capitol earlier this year. Again, you might be surprised as to why I'm not covering that. There isn't anything I can say about it. I mean, James Perloff, who's in New York City, who's very smart, I'll ask James for his thoughts on this hearing today in the US. I'm sure James will have an opinion on it. Uh, The BBC has covered it. uh, Sky News has covered it live. Bizarrely, the um, four officers have testified so far about alleged Trump supporters in January 6th, trying to storm the US Capitol. Again, we'll ask James Perloff maybe a little bit later on in the programme for his thoughts on that. Okay, right. Right, let me give you a quick heads up to Mark Windows, who's not been with me for a long time, who presents Windows on the World, which is always worth watching. You'll find it on YouTube and elsewhere. On Spreaker as well, if you are a Spreaker person. Mark will be with me on Thursday for for an extended conversation about lots. Definitely going to get into climate lockdowns of the future with Mark Windows and much more besides as well. Time for a tune. While I get my first guest on the programme, the former nurse Kate, Kate even Shemarani joins me later on James Perloff this is Tuesday's Richie Allen radio show the time is 25 and a half minutes past five Warren Zevon and Werewolves of London on the Richie Allen radio show for Tuesday the 27th of July 2021 um, not been able to make contact just yet yet even with uh, with Kate Chemerani. she might be trying to call me back there uh, could very well be uh, Kate Right, I mentioned at the top of the show, the press here in this country has been, um, well, has been writing and talking a lot about the rally in Trafalgar Square on Saturday last. And accusations have been levelled against a former NHS nurse called Kate Chemerani that she incited violence against doctors and nurses there, something that she vehemently denies. And I'm glad to say that she joins us live on the programme now, I think from the South Coast. Kate, welcome to the programme. How are you? Hi, good evening, and um, thank you for having me on your show. I just would like to just correct you on one point. I, I first trained as a nurse and qualified. I started my training 36 years ago. I am still a uh, trained and qualified nurse, and I was a trained and qualified independent nurse prescriber. I haven't actually worked for the NHS for over 20 years when I last worked at NHS Direct and A&E. But um, I did run a private business of my own as an aesthetic nurse practitioner. And I also have a diploma in personal nutrition and I work on an American radio. So I just wanted to clear that up because I don't want there to be any, that it's misled that I'm an NHS nurse because I'm not. But that doesn't mean 
that just because one is not an NHS nurse or that one is not on the register now, that you're no longer a nurse. Only the title of registered nurse is protected through Parliament. You don't suddenly forget your training or lose your qualification because you're not on that register. You are indeed still a nurse. I get you. And I think that's well well documented because of the issue with you being struck off. I know you've worked as a nurse for the best part of the last 35 years. We'll come back to that. I want to play you what, what, what you said on, on Saturday and, and I'll give you plenty of time to explain what it was that you meant uh, Kate, um, and of course I, I mentioned. Are you playing the entire piece and not the edited piece from Twitter? Well, I'm obviously not going to play your entire speech. I'm going to play, I'm going to play a, a segment of what you said on Saturday, which I think is self-explanatory. It's only a few seconds long. Have a listen to it. You'll then get maybe plenty of time. it's not the full. Then it's not the full segment. Well, why don't we have a listen which, to it? Why don't okay. Why don't we have a listen to it and then we'll see. Let's see. Let's do it now. It's forty-three seconds, right? Let's have a listen and then we'll come back to it. Should I ask those in the beginning yet? Ask them being any jacks. Ask them what is in it. Ask them. Get their names. You email them to me, the medical revolutionaries at protonmail.com with a group of lawyers. We are collating all that. At the Nuremberg trials, the doctors and nurses stood trial. Are they home? Now, if I was a nurse or a doctor working in the NHS, the threat is pretty specific there, isn't it? Well, I would disagree because you've only paid part of it. Now, before that was... Well, that was you speaking those words. I I haven't gotten an actress yet. But in a court of law, the entire piece would be. And here is the issue. Before that was said, I talked about that people are not inherently evil and that something does not happen overnight. And I talked about consent and I talked about how when the nursing and midwifery council was taken over in 2001 by the government and then the NHS was taken over by the government last year and in history we are taught when the health service is overtaken during times of tyranny and this is documented in fact and we are warned of it in history that during those times Nurses and doctors can no longer advocate for the patient and they are following government diktat. And we're seeing evidence of this because we are seeing do not resuscitate on the elderly, on the disabled and on, an, on the mentally ill. And this has never happened before. Yeah, well, look, we can come to that. Hang on, Kate. We can come to this thing about midazolam. That's got nothing to do no, no, with what I'm we're talking about, about now. Let me, let me just, no, no, let me, let me just say, midazolam. you said, yeah, look, I'm we'll come back to it if you want. Midazolam. You'll get plenty of time. You specifically said at the Nuremberg trials, the doctors and nurses stood trial and they hung. If you are a doctor or is. a nurse, yes, fair enough. If you are a doctor or a nurse, now is the time to get off that bus. That couldn't be any clearer. You're threatening doctors and nurses that they might face hanging at some stage if you had your way. Excuse me, sir. I do not set That's what you said, though. It's got nothing to do with the law. You're you're advocating the execution of doctors and nurses. It couldn't be any clearer. No, I disagree. And that is slanderous. But you said the word... Well, it's not slanderous. You're you're speaking to me now on a live radio show. That's exactly what you said. That's okay. That's okay. I did not say 
for anyone to be hung, I stated... That you implied it, Kate. The, no, you cannot say that I was trying to say anything. At the Nuremberg trials, it is fact that the doctors and nurses faced trials. Many of them went to prison, and there were those that hung. And I believe the Daily Mail even covered that. Now, that is fact. Even Dr. Carl Brandt, who was a leading orthopedic surgeon, and that didn't happen overnight. Right, so are you saying it's good enough, if it's good enough, if it's good enough for doctors who worked in Dachau in, in Munich, it's good enough for the NHS doctors, is it? Is that what you're saying? That's not what I'm saying. At well, why mention Nuremberg then? What has Nuremberg got to do with anything? Well, it's not about this. It's the Statute of Rome, that was a law that was set. Now, when we have times where genocide is committed or there are crimes against humanity, one must always follow the laws. Now, at the moment, in this country and in every country, we are seeing unprecedented acts here. And I'm not talking about Medazalan. I'm talking about we've seen a rollout of an experimental, untested, unlicensed injection that does not fulfill the legal definition to be a vaccine. It does, however, fill the definition to be a device. It is bioengineering. Our own new health star has stated publicly in an address last week that those that were given the placebo or the actual injection can still get a health passport. Now, first of all, if it was the pandemic, you wouldn't want a placebo and those people getting a health passport. Kate, we could save a lot of time. We could save a lot of time here. If you you let me finish, we could save a lot of time here. Yes, but we can save a lot of time. We can save a lot of time if we accept that I agree with you that the jabs are experimental, they're untested, they're probably very dangerous. We can agree with all of that. I have no problem with that. But you asked me about Nuremberg. So, if you you face what the the Hussar has said, that there is some that have been a placebo, no one has consented to be in an experiment. No one has consented to that. Nor does it state in the documentation that every single patient prior to injection is to be given to read thoroughly. It states this, that if they can read, if English is their first language, if they can understand it, and they're given time to process it. It does not state in there that this is an experiment and you are part of it. I agree. That goes against the Nuremberg Code. I agree. Who's responsible for that, Kate? Do you think the doctors and nurses who work in the country's hospitals are responsible for that? I think the doctors and nurses in this country and every other country will be governed by their boards. And under those governance, they adhere to a code of conduct of professional practice. In nursing, it is the code of professional conduct and a scope of professional practice. And that has been written so that we advocate for the patient at all times. We don't follow government dictat. Now, for me, in aesthetics, which I worked in for many years, if suddenly, under the yellow card reporting system, it said that within the last six months, maybe a new uh, botulinum toxin type A had caused 1,500 deaths almost and over 9,500 acute cardiac incidents. Again, I agree with all of this. 70, yes. If then I would, under my professional conduct and advocating for the patient, I would cease that immediately. I would not continue. I would know. So would I. And do you think, I agree with you, I agree with all of this, do you think you're going to reach doctors and nurses by invoking Nuremberg and telling people to get off that bus 
effectively before they're hung. This is the problem I have with people well, I, like you. I agree with you. I know that the, I've been doing this for 15, 16 years. I know these things are dangerous. I know they're deadly. But are you a help or a hindrance? Are you going to actually reach people by using that sort well, of language? First of all, I have absolute proof that I'm reaching people because daily I have not only nurses, I've had doctors, I have patients coming to me with harrowing testimonies, some of which I have to pass on. And one that came to date from a nurse who is in charge of a care home and she wishes to go to the police and wishes me to accompany her with a lawyer. Now, they are, and that came through Professor Dolores Carhill, who is a colleague and a friend. Now, she's not a colleague, Kate. She's a scientist. She's not a colleague of yours. She's a scientist. She's a real scientist. In, she's not a colleague. colleague she might be a friend, but don't, don't put is, yourself on that level because you're in, not on that level. Let's in, be honest about it. In what we are doing now, I consider us to be part, all of us, all of us in this. We are part of a team. And we are trying to stop, for me personally, it is the injection of our children because we advocate for those ultimately. That's what we do. Now, when you say, am I trying to stop? I have been the co-founder of the British Nursing Alliance, and I can absolutely assure you that thousands of nurses, care assistants, even student nurses, physios have come forward to join it. And we are now in the process of making that work. And these are going to be nurses and healthcare professionals who cannot be employed by a hospital. So they can only ever be 100% patient advocates. So this is making a difference. I have thousands upon thousands of emails. Now, I might use language that makes people very uncomfortable, but what actually happened... Well, before you go on, let me jump in, let me jump in, because this is an interview, let me jump in. You might have used language. You've been accused by people I know, people who've been trying to, to, to get people to look at the world another way for many years. You've been accused of being an attention seeker and a narcissist that's really only interested in promoting your own brand and that by acting as you do, you actually detract and distract from people like Dolores Cahill, Sicharit Bhakti, um, 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 the, the guy in America I interviewed, Koldorf and others. Now, you've been accused of that regularly. Forget what the mainstream media says. I couldn't care less what the mainstream media says about you. But there are those who say that you're only interested in building a brand for yourself and that it gets in the way and it distracts from people who really know what they're talking about. What do you say to that? Well, people are entitled to their opinion, but I also work with many, many um, doctors and have done a lot of work with people and collaborating, and some that I now call friends who don't say that and offer me lots and lots of support. So you, there's that saying, you can't please all the people all the time. As you're saying, narcissists and my brand. I'm 56 years old this year. I've had cancer 10 years ago, which in studies had no survival at five years. So I, I have no need to bring this on myself. I was looking forward to retiring and getting a camper van. But this is because of what I saw was unjust and I knew what was happening. And I brought four children into the world. I couldn't stay quiet. And when people began to tell me, this became far greater. And I've made no... No um, secret of the fact, I am a Christian and I do read the Bible and my faith is very, very strong in me and I will not lie and I cannot stay quiet. In fact, it's a sin to lie when I know it to be true. So I know that God knows what's in my heart 
and I know that I speak truth, and ultimately I will stand in judgment. You mentioned God, when Kate. Kate, you God. mentioned God. Hang on, you mentioned. Let me remind our listeners, by the way. Um, we've got Kate Shemarani on the programme. Kate's been a nurse for many, many, many years, was stroke off. I don't say that to insult you, by the way. Um, I, I don't think there was any good reason to strike you off from what I've read. I'm just stating facts. I mentioned NHS at the beginning of the programme because you did for a time work for the NHS, but I know you went into private practice. You did lots of things. Kate's been accused by the press in this country of inciting violence against nurses and doctors with this Nuremberg thing. We've covered that. We've dealt with that. My beef with you, Kate, and I don't know you, and I've already said it, and it's with other so-called truthers, is something you just said there. You invoked God there, and you mentioned your children. And I don't take any pleasure in doing this. I was going to play a clip, but I'm not going to play the clip because there's no point in playing it. You've been good enough to come on, and I think you're fairly decent. So I'm just going to say it. Your son believes that you do have a narcissistic complex. And he believes that you've got a messianic complex, that you believe that you're on some sort of crusade, that you've been specifically chosen by God to do this work. Do you, do you feel like that? No, of course I don't. You don't? And as for my son... Why would he say that? I love, I love my son and I forgive my son. And my son knows in his heart what he's saying and he knows that he's going to have to forgive himself. And he will be judged like all of us. My son knows the truth, as do my three other children and his aunts, uncles and cousins. And I know what he's going through right now. And I also know one of the guiding factors in what he's doing. And that's between him and my family. And I think it's very sad that the press, who don't need to open doors, they can just slither under them. They've reached a new low when they take a young man who is at the beginning of his adulthood. And we all know that when we're that age, 22 years old, we think we know it all. I think it's very unfair and unjust to do this and use one's family member because there will come a time in the future when the regret will be so profound for him and I will be there for him. Now, he was at my house approximately six weeks ago to introduce him to his new girlfriend. Now, he knew that I would never mention what he did before because I already forgave him. And I graciously um, accepted her and he wanted me to explain about nutrition and I was eating sauerkraut and all the rest of it. And he knows that when he wants to come to my house again, my door will be open. Yeah. I forgive him immediately. He's my son and I love, I love him dearly. Nobody would but doubt it, wrong. Kate. Nobody would. And you know what? It, when, when you say it's that it's wrong, it's wrong of the media, doing. you're right. It's wrong. I wouldn't do it. I, I spent years... I spent years in the mainstream media. I spent years in the mainstream media. There is no way that I would sanction um, the interviewing of your son, however lucid, however, you know, sane or or rational I I might think Sebastian is. I wouldn't do it. It's low and and it's rubbish. But let me put two things to you. And then I'm going to give you, I'm I'm going to stop giving you so much of a hard time. Let me put a couple of things to you. Um, One of them is, he did say um, your son that you sent him a text message recently where you told him that the CIA was coming to kill him. Did you, did you do that? And why did you do that? Well, first of all, I've never sent such a text, nor would I send such a text to anybody. I don't, everybody who knows me knows that I do not ever send texts to anybody like that. I don't even talk like that. I just don't. If you're telling the truth, Kate, he's lousy. I mean, that's a, it's a terrible thing oh, if you're telling God the truth. Why would he witness. say that? 
I've God is my witness. I would never say that to anybody. Now, second, where is the proof of this, that it's come from my number and that I have sent that? And there are many, many people out there who know me very well, who know that I would never do such a thing. He's my son and I love him. Now, my son also knows that there are many things that he has done that are in the public domain that I pray do not surface. And I will do everything in my ability to ensure that they don't surface. Because he is being set up for a great big fall. And I will be there to catch him. He's my flesh and blood, my firstborn child. And I am filled with pride for that young man. But right now, he's being used. And this is the devil's game. And the devil comes to lie and cheat and steal. And it's in the book of Revelation about sons and daughters turning on their parents. It's lousy of the no MSM evidence. to do it. It's lousy. You've got my total agreement there. There is no there. evidence anywhere of such a They text. shouldn't do it. Can so I ask you something else? Listen, I'll take, your, I'll, t- I'll take your word for it, right? Um, look, you make you a good... Well, you make a good point. I was just going to... I was just coming back to it. You make a good point. If the text existed, you might imagine that the BBC website might have screenshot it and might have used it. So I'll take your word for it. Something else that bothered me about you was I think you did an interview with Sky and you were talking about, you know, being struck off the register. Again, I'm not saying that to embarrass you. I don't believe you should have been struck off. I believe that people should be struck off when they do harm. You never did any harm to anybody. You stated your opinion. I disagree with you being struck off. However, you said at the time, and alarm bells went off in my head, you said that the nurses who reported you were overweight and jealous of your looks. Now, nobody's denying you're an attractive woman, Kate, but... Is that is that what you really think? Because that speaks to the narcissism thing, you know, of you being rather fond of yourself. Why did you say that? First of all, that's not what I said. It was taken out of context completely, totally out of context. Where is the recording of me saying that? If you've been in mainstream journalism, you'll know you could say 10 sentences and they may take several words from all of that and put it together as a sentence. Secondly, I was a model all through the 80s all through the 80s. And everybody can go and look in the Daily Record in Scotland and the Evening Times. I also won a title for Scotland and I won it for Great Britain, a pageant. And I won two tickets off to Canada. I faced at that time, we, uh, you know, women, we all know, we're all women. We know what women are like. I'm a woman, I know. I know what envy is, the green-eyed monster. All I say to this, I have in my career... And I was referring to that time, I've had bitchiness when I was modeling at the time when my nursing was judged based on the fact that I was modeling and in beauty pageants. And it happened in the 80s, what happened to me on a ward. Right. Now, I was referring to that. Now, I have friends that are very overweight. I have friends that are slim. I really don't care. Um, I have made comments that We are in a profession where it does state in our code of conduct that we are meant to take care of our own health and we are health educators. And we all know that obesity exponentially increases the incidence of all diseases. And it absolutely breaks the NHS, all of these um, obesity-related diseases. So I absolutely stand by the fact that I think as nurses, and health educators, we have a duty to be ambassadors of that profession. And therefore, 
I think that it's it's not a good representation of being a health educator if you are overweight. And this was indeed um, stated in the press several years ago that there was a big problem in nursing with obesity because, of course, it leads to higher sick time. More nurses going off sick, more uh, uh, more back-related issues. Yeah, so yeah, I hear you. this is where I am. You know, I'm very, I'm very, I look, I'm 56 this year. And... I'm very careful with what I eat because I've had cancer and, you know, maintaining my weight because as I get older, it gets harder and harder and my bone density, I've met for. So you talked about and this, met, you talked about this and they took it out of context and made out that I you were saying that they were ugly. Right. I remember having an interview with a lady at Bookstead Park Hotel after the first 29th of August rally and she said something and I said, well, you know, I, I'm... And used to it, you know. I and I and I was referring to that time back in the eighties when I was a young woman, very young, and I was um, blessed with being um, quite pretty and very lean and slim. And I won all these beauty pageants and modelling, and um, and I did face a lot of envy. I actually, okay. someone stuffed a cigarette out on my back in a nightclub. Can we move on from that? Can we move, can, can we just move on from that? Because I I've never won any sure. I've never won any beauty pageants, and I don't think I've but, any but chance of winning one. In, in, fair fair enough. I'm listening. I, I hear you. We've got Kate Chemerani on the line, and um, thanks for coming on. Right, I appreciate you coming on. Now another thing, I I interviewed a guy called Chris Busby some years ago. Chris is I suppose he's a bit of a doyen when it comes to non-ionising radiation. So I brought him on to talk about 5G and why people were concerned about 5G. Now, I'm incredibly concerned about 5G. I don't want it anywhere near me. And having listened to him, a genuine expert, speaking about the things that it might do to people, I was left in no doubt whatsoever that it's dangerous and that we certainly shouldn't see any role out of it. Here's the problem I have. It sounds like I'm bashing you. I'm not bashing you. You're, I think you're well able to defend yourself, so... It's, um, it's good to have this exchange. I don't want to sound like I'm bashing you, but you said something last year, and you did say this. I saw you say this. I saw you say it at a rally, and it pissed me right off. You said that people are experiencing COVID symptoms because of exposure to 5G. Now, before you jump down my throat, I could never say to you that that's not going on, that that's impossible, because I don't know that. What I put to you today, and this is a huge problem I have with something I call the truther industrial complex, is that people say things without having any substantive evidence to back it up. You do not know. You might be right now, this is the irony here, but you don't know for a fact that 5G might be causing COVID-type symptoms in people. And by saying it, Kate, somebody with all of those years of experience as a nurse, I believe, and I'm giving you... This is heartfelt here. I believe you discredit yourself and your movement. You shouldn't do that. Over to you. What do you think? Well, first of all, um, you know, I, I, I think that that's a very valid point that you make. And I accept that constructive criticism. And I have taken that on board. And in my defense, um, I was really um, introduced to 5G last year. And I've spent in that comment, a considerable amount of time um, researching, reading military papers, speaking to military personnel um, about the growler, the voice of Allah, different frequencies that are used, um, people who are experts in it, uh, reading 
papers about um, radiation, and I and I I feel I'm much more educated in it now. I don't ever profess to be an expert. When I looked at the and and, and just bringing in here, SARS-CoV-2 has never been proven to exist. It's never been purified or isolated. It's contentious, that case. That is contentious. Yeah, you might be right, but it is contentious. Whether it's contentious, I'm just stating it's there. And a doctor, Kevin Corbett, put it beautifully when he did the Drawstrom review. And he spoke about that in an interview. Now, taking that aside, the symptoms that they are giving for COVID-19, first of all, they are symptoms that cover a myriad of illnesses. It's incredible how many. But also, there are symptoms that are very that 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 you can find in radiation poisoning as well. And so, as we are a year and a half on, and I look at this, what I see now is that we are only seeing the COVID nineteen health service. And as you stated yourself, and there are papers uh, that were released in the nineteen seventies in America showing all of the health effects of low-wave um, microwave radiation. UNICEF uh, showed their concern in papers from the 70s on the- All of that paper, all of that work is there. You're right. And I, I don't yes, want to, I don't want to, I, I don't want to stop you, but we've only got five, we've only got five more minutes. I want to endorse what you're saying. Yes, it is. But I would rather somebody who's been in nursing for 36 years, I would rather you deal with people on, 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 on the things you can prove. And I'll go one step further. I would have thought somebody like you would have been far more useful if you weren't dropping in 5G and if you weren't dropping in microchips and nanobots. Now, I'm not, in, I'm, I'm not mocking you when I say that. What I'm saying is, if there are people whose, whose, head, whose heads are being turned, who, who are realising that something is very, very, very wrong, you can scare them off. If I were you, and I have no right to tell you what to do, but if I had your experience, I would be saying to people, and I would be saying no more, I would be saying, you know what, I've been in nursing for years. I, I administered vaccines one time, even if you didn't. I would say I did. You know, we had vaccines, we had this. You did, right? I would say, I've never seen anything like this vaccine. Um, this, 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 is, this is not something that we're accustomed to dealing with. It's new, it's, un- it's, it's experimental. I'd be a bit concerned about it. I wouldn't be having it. I might even wait for a year or 18 months just to see. That would be the approach. My, my only, and you're going, you'll get time to answer this, of course. My concern about somebody like you would be, it's straight in there with the two feet and sometimes making leaps like, as I said to 5G, that, that there, there, there's no definitive proof of even though we have reason to suspect and I would wonder why you wouldn't take that approach rather than the kind of bull in a china shop approach if you forgive me for using that term well Richie with respect and I do take your advice I take every piece of advice that people give me and I always at the end of the day I always reflect on every conversation I have always Um, um, I am just a woman and a mother and a nurse And when I came into this arena, it wasn't because I chose. It was the local radio station that I'd worked on for four years. And I live streamed to Facebook, as I always did, for 21 minutes. And I would always get maybe a maximum of 5,000 views. And I just used facts that the vaccinations were mandatory in China. I used it from the public health website from 2019 for the winter. 
and that 5G had been, uh, Wuhan had been the test city from autumn of 2019. And I put a few other facts in there about fluoride using the Environmental Protection Agency. And fluoride I is deadly. talked yeah. about different things and how shipment. And, and then all of a sudden it was at 2 million views and I was off Facebook and I was catapulted around the world and I was getting contact. This was new for me. This has been a learning curve for me. I'm not a journalist. Fair I'm not enough. trained in this. And I, yes, I agree. I may have made mistakes. Now, when you go back to, if I may answer, um, I have been very fortunate and privy to information. And I met a um, lieutenant marine who was a computer scientist working in government and a Christian. And he was able to start sending me information. He's just left that work and he was working on AI for 25 years. And he um, educated me and talked me through stuff, which was incredible. And also Dr. Karen Day, who um, I consider to be a friend now, and we're working together closely on some spiritual work with um, a nun that is very famous now, who's been catapulted into the press. But um, uh, she'd also gone to many uh, meetings and lectures, and she had similar corroborative um, information and this is when I talked about hydrogel being the conduit and the, the papers from DARPA, from the Pentagon, which all backs this up, how it has an electrical charge. And then I found the papers on PubMed, how this has an affinity for the neocortex to the brain. And we all know that, you know, 2.4 gigahertz opens the blood-brain barrier as does polysorbate 80. It's a chemical for your listeners who don't know that is used to open the blood-brain barrier if one wanted to deliver drugs, particularly in like oncology for brain tumors, you want to get through the blood-brain barrier. So why would this be in these injections? And it's been all, a lot of uh, injections actually, vaccines. So I talked about this and I was very clear on this because I understood it and I'd been given literature to read and I'd been pointed in the right direction and sent actual peer-reviewed papers. So that's where I talked about it. Now, as for what I believe is my role in this, you're absolutely right. It is about this injection that they're calling a vaccine. And also I've studied it extensively and I did a year of interviewing before. I didn't just pop up because of COVID. You know, I was already in the arena doing a lot of interviews with doctors um, and the author of, of a particular book, 1200 Studies, about all vaccinations. And that is why I stand by no vaccine proven safe, no vaccine proven effective, no two vaccines tested for their efficacy. And for many, many years, um, it's been difficult to bring this into the spotlight. But now, in a year and a half, everything is under the spotlight that we've been told about allopathic medicine. And so this is also a good thing. But you're, you're correct. And now I am particularly honing in on consent. Um, informed consent, this injection, and the laws that are being used to uh, use um, the Gillick competency to get consent from our children without their parents' knowledge or presence or consent themselves. And they're and already rolling that, this out. Uh, that's important. Look, I understand that. They're already rolling it out to so-called vulnerable under-18s, which is a terrible, terrible thing. And ultimately they want to move on to inject every child. I, I, I know that. And educating people as to informed consent 
is a noble pursuit and I genuinely wish you all the best. We're just about out of time, but I did want to say one thing that I didn't say at the beginning. I meant to say this at the very beginning and you can take it any way you want. Um, I'm sorry for referring to you as a nutter on my last programme. I shouldn't have done that. It was Thank wrong. Thank you. Thank you. No, it was wrong. I've never ever been treated. No, you, you don't have to say that. I know that. It, it was wrong. It's something. It's a term that I would use referring to idiots in the mainstream media, and maybe I shouldn't do that either. But I don't refer to to, to people well, like I, that. I'm so I apologise. I shouldn't. I shouldn't have said I it. I accept that. I accept that, Richie. Thank you. Well, look. Thanks for coming on. It's been um, it's been educational. It's been interesting. Thanks for answering those questions. And, um, I, you know, just to go back to something that really disturbs me, it's a terrible thing that the mainstream media is doing with regards to your son. It's dreadful. And as somebody who went through the mainstream media, I worked at every level of it. I swear on all that's sacred, I would have never done that. I couldn't have stomached that. It's dreadful stuff. And you don't deserve it. It's as simple as that. And it's wrong. Look, um, thanks for doing it, Kate. You know, God speak to you and, and to everybody that works with you. Thank you very much, sir, and thank you for having me on. It was a pleasure to be on your show. Thanks, Kate. That was Kate Chemerani, former nurse, 36 years experience, not just in the NHS, but in private practice as well. She's been getting hammered, not that it seems to bother her that much to her credit by the uh, UK press in the last few days, and not just the last few days, going back uh, to last year because of um, anti-lockdown rallies and speeches that she's given. Um, having uh, having let myself down last night by referring to her the way I did, which I shouldn't have done. And I regretted it straight away because it isn't me. I'll, I'll say things about uh, people in public life and I'll, I'll use words, sometimes funny, sometimes not to describe them. But uh, about somebody like that, I shouldn't have done it. So there you are. Uh, you've had your say on it. Uh, I'll read a few of these before we get James Perloff on. You've had your say. Um, and quite, I think, more than half of you are not too happy with me for, uh, for giving her a chase apparently. But I didn't give her a chase and I, I asked her some tough questions and I and I and I um and I listened to her. Uh which which is which is your job. Patricia says, Richie, I think you're being very hard on Kate. It see it sounds to me like you have a bit of a personal vendetta against her. You interviewed a journalist, Jackie Devoy, who can't who couldn't get these type of stories into mainstream publications. Thanks, Patricia, for your message. Um, John Pierce says, Great show, Richie. Uh, thanks for inviting Kate on and a fair play to her for coming on and taking the grilling. Fair play, says, uh, says John Pierce. Thanks, John. I appreciate that as well. number of you giving me uh, plenty of stick. Tim says, Richie, sorry, you're not giving her a fair interview. You have a personal axe to grind here and you're not coming across very professional. Uh, only two out of ten today, says Tim. Thanks, Tim, for your message there. I appreciate that. I take it all on board, mate, you know. I take it all on board. Um, another John has said, Richie, you brag about being impartial. You're not impartial. It's obvious that um, you're very one-sided here. And somebody called Jim says, wind your neck in, mate. Stop being an arsehole and let Kate talk. You are being a prat, says Jim. And to think that I've listened to your show for years... Thanks, Jim. I appreciate that as well. Uh, like I said, many of them um, in support of what Kate was saying and criticising me for, for my tone. I thought I was fair. That's, I think, what separates this programme from the mainstream media. Plenty of time to talk, you know. There's nothing wrong with asking a tough question or a question that sounds a bit, a bit nasty, so long as you let the person speak. That's the way I was brought up anyway. It is uh, exactly six minutes past six. Here's Talking Heads Day. <laughs> 
on the Richie Allen Radio Show. Off to New York soon to speak with James Perloff. Don't miss him. Love James. Jamesperloff.net, that's his website. Brilliant blog lately. There. Same as it ever was. David Byrne and Tina Weymouth and the Talking Heads and... Once in a lifetime on the Richie Allen Radio Show. Ten minutes past six it is here in the UK. Ten minutes past the hour. So if you've got somewhere to be, uh, you might just have time to get there. I, I love James Perloff. I've known James for years. He's a fantastic broadcaster, but author and blogger. Check out jamesperloff.net. That's his website. And he kindly sent me a look at a, a new blog that he has put together the other day. Uh, you know that James has written a book on COVID, by the way. It's an excellent book on COVID. We talked about it when it came out. I will uh, I have put links to it on my website before I will do again. He's now done a blog, James, and it's very good. He's collated a lot of information, deliberately keeping the videos and the clips short, uh, keeping in mind that attention span these days is maybe not what it once was. If you go to jamesperloff.net, you go to the blog section, you'll find COVID visuals. It's really excellent. I've been looking at it all day today. Let's welcome back to the program uh, the one and only James Perloff. Welcome back, James. Oh, well, thank you for having me back uh, there, Richie. Uh, you know, I was uh, disappointed to learn that uh, you were deleted permanently from Twitter yesterday. I'm sure uh, many of your uh, fans know that. Uh, by the way, I, uh, well, we were talking about this through the email anyway, but I, I've been in Twitter jail twice myself, and one more time I'll be out permanently oh too, so I'll Maybe joining you in Twitter, Never Neverland, but I was sorry, really sorry to see you go because you uh, tweeted important stuff, stuff that uh, you know directed me to information I needed to know. Well, thanks, James, and, and vice versa. I, I I don't like the platform, and I I use it really, I suppose, to read comments from listeners. But also, if you put mm -hmm. something out or somebody else put something out, somebody that I trust, it was handy to use it because you and I have built up, you know, substantial Twitter following over the years, so it's it's handy. But look, it's the style of the time, isn't it? We we yeah. have to be honest. Everybody's getting banned. It's not just Twitter. It's Facebook. It's it's YouTube. And I think we just have to do. You see, one of the one of the most recent times you were on, I complimented you on your website because it looks great. When you go go to jamesperloff.net, it looks good. I think we need to invest more time and, if necessary, a few bucks in our websites because for the moment they can't do much about that. And our followers, and you've got legions of them, they need to go get it into their heads that if they want to know what James Perloff is up to. Go to his website on a daily basis because Twitter are shadow banning uh, you anyway. Brilliant blog, but before I talk about the blog with you, and we've, we've got plenty of time till the top of the hour, I can't mm. not mention what's going on in DC. I'm seeing these guys on, you know, you, you know, appearing at some sort of um, congressional or is it Senate committee? Some of these men that attempted to defend the Capitol building back in January, some of these guys are giving testimony and they're getting very upset and crying. It all looks a bit silly to me. When I look back at that capital thing, James, and I've never been a fan of Donald Trump, that so-called riot earlier this year looked very much staged to me. And I'm not somebody who ever accuses things of being staged. To me, it looked like there was a stand-down order and that it was some sort of staged event. What are your thoughts on that as the hearings are going on today? Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, Congress was not concerned when... Uh, Antifa and Black Lives Matter were burning down big sections of Seattle, Portland, and Minneapolis. Um, the uh, you're quite right about it's being staged. In fact, uh, we had film footage. Uh, there was this this guy who's dressed up sort of like a, a Wookie, American flag Wookie, and he was allowed to go into 
the uh, House of Representatives and steal uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi's, uh, Pelosi's uh, podium while the guards were looking on, letting him do this. So yeah, definitely staged. And uh, they've been making a huge deal about this. This is part of the planned setup of persecution. Uh, you know, we have a lot of, um, uh, like you, uh, you know, um, although I voted for Donald Trump, I found that he was more of an Israeli firster than um, uh, an American first. I'm not saying you're saying that. That was my own conclusion. Uh, but his his followers uh, certainly uh, are constitutionalist and Christian and moral in their outlook, and they believe in the Second Amendment, the right to own firearms. And those are the people they want to target right now, and they want to make it appear that they're violent. Well, actually, you know, we had a gun protest in Richmond, Virginia, uh, in January of 2020, and uh, gun owners came out because of the, the massive um, – uh, uh, coercive gun laws have been passed in Virginia thanks to Mike Bloomberg funding the campaigns of uh, new legislators. And uh, the media was expecting a big shootout or something, but none of the gun owners uh, got out of line. And so they have to portray, but they have to portray them in the media as being violent to take the guns away. One thing about America that kind of differs it from a lot of other countries is we do have uh, uh, over 70 million gun owners in this country, yeah. and that makes it more difficult for the police to bang, the, uh, you know, kick, kick in your door to give you a mandatory vaccine. They think there's a guy <laughs> with a rifle on the other side. Yeah. Um, so, but you're right, quite right. Uh, this is a staged event. It's part of the propaganda. It's like uh, it's like targeting anti-vaxxers for being responsible for the new variants. You know, it's like they're, they're just get, the, the people they don't like, the people that are awake. Those are the ones that are going to be. Um, made out to be the bad guys in the mainstream media, which is why people need to turn it off. No doubt. Final word from you on this. I, I might have said this to you before, but as a guy who grew up in, in Ireland, we never saw a police officer with a gun. And you know that the, right. en- the English police are not armed either. Now, of course, both police forces in England and in Ireland, they do have armed divisions, but you never see right. them. And when I look at your news sometimes and I see ordinary men and women walking around with those rifles on the street, James. I have to be honest with you. It does, it doesn't give me the shivers, but I just, it, it, it I'm gobsmacked to use that English um, colloquialism. I'm gobsmacked at it. And yet for you, that's okay. You know, the, people are entitled to be armed and if they're out and about with their assault rifle, that's okay. You, 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 you don't see a problem with that. And yet, because I'm no, so unaccustomed uh, to it, it, it terrifies me. It, it depends on the character of the people. You know, somebody with a criminal yeah. record is not going to be allowed uh, a gun permit. It's only the law-abiding citizens that are, are uh, given that. It's, it's uh, the criminals who have to get their guns on the sly. So not that word about uh, lawful gun owners. I had m- many of my friends, uh, very moral people, very stable people are gun owners. I'm not worried about them getting out of control. The, the ones who do get a control, either it's a staged event by the media um, or – it's somebody who was uh, set up, you know, somebody who was on drugs, somebody who was MK Ultrad into in committing a shooting event. We've had, a, you know, different explanations offered for some of the mass shootings we've seen in America. But it's interesting that as soon as Biden took office, you know, there hadn't been any mass shootings in the news for, for I think, over a year. And all of a sudden, as soon as Biden and the Democrats took power, and of course, they're into gun control, then all of a sudden the mass shootings started making headlines yeah. again. You can see it's 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 always set up. It was set up in you know we've seen it with nine eleven. We've seen it in, in Britain with your seven seven event. Uh, they they set these things up in order to uh, introduce new security measures to introduce the dystopian Orwellian state. Brilliant, James. 
folks, I, I can't recommend highly enough COVID-19 and the agendas to come. Red Pill, James is kind enough to send it to me when it first came out. It's a, a really, really good read. It really is. And uh, I recommend you check it out. Support the independent media. Go to jamesperloff.net. Excellent blog. It's very, very detailed. But I love what you've done getting all these doctors, Yeadon, Charles Hoff, Dolores Cahill, Luke Montagne. It's excellent. And you were motivated to do this, James, by, by this realisation that people don't have time to watch hour-long or two-hour-long presentations. Life is too chaotic for people. Uh, that's absolutely right. Well, you know, uh, with the book, uh, which came out last year, you know, I, uh, uh, I worked flat out I, uh, to write the book. It was 27 chapters, everything documented with the, almost 300 endnotes and I, I figured if they're going to make the vaccine at warp speed I get a better get a book out there at warp speed so the book uh which came out as actually august of last year yeah. uh covered just every aspect uh of you know from the lockdowns to the contact tracing to a chapter on bill gates you know um and i uploaded onto amazon print on demand figuring that they'd censor it out of the gate but they didn't and it actually sold 3500 copies in less than two months but I didn't trust Amazon, so I, I, in the meantime, I immediately ordered my own printing, which was good because after less than two months, I did censor the book, and but I had my own printing roll in on the truck uh, four days <laughs> after that, and it's now in its third printing. And you guys can get it anywhere in the world, I should mention. Um, you can get it, uh, you know, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, um, and uh, Canada Indigo. We have a worldwide distributor called Gazelle. And uh, in the UK or any other world, you can get it from the UK Book Depository, which ships worldwide for free. That's and nice. I got to mention this, Richie. The last time I was on your show, this book ranked uh, number 64 of all books in the world Brilliant. on the UK Depository. And that is a tribute to the power of the Richie Allen show. So you're still still going very strong. Well, do you know what? Nobody uh, believes me. Nobody, nobody believes me when I say it. Well, I think they do believe me. I never brag, James. I've been a journalist and a radio presenter for too long. But um, we've got 200,000 listeners listening to this right now. That's 200,000. And I, 60% of them are in the UK. They're in Ireland, but they're scattered all over the world in 109 countries. I've been doing it for years and it's just steadily built up. So it, it never ceases to amaze me. When somebody chats about a book and, and, and you, you don't come on to plug books, I invite you on because your book's important. And when somebody does speak about their book, they always get back to me and say, my God, Richie, it went, um, it, the sales went uh, crazy overnight. So I'm really glad to hear that because it is an excellent book. The reference are brilliant. It's indexed as any really good book should be with all your sources. It's great, James. And, and the blog is excellent. Folks, go to jamesperloff.net, go to blog, look for COVID visuals, watch those videos. There's urgency in it, James. There's urgency, you know, in, in what you're doing because right now it, 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 it feels a bit bleak. It feels that this agenda to vaccinate all the children in the world with this thing, despite there being no evidence that they need it, it feels right. like um, they're winning at the moment, James. Well, yeah, yeah. Where's the science? Well, uh, uh, as you were saying, what I wanted to do was to make. Uh, I wanted to. Uh, and we're dealing with a generation that is visually orient oriented, and uh, we, myself probably included, have shorter attention spans than we used to. Yeah. And I know that kids in America, when they go to school, they don't even read books anymore. As I'm told, they just read excerpts of books. Um, so for them to expect, for me to expect them to read my book is a little much. So uh, as you're saying that my my uh, my. Uh, blog post COVID visuals, it's, uh, well, partly it's, um, you know, uh, screenshots of things like this. And this is just in black and white. I have a black and white printer, but this is covers of time magazine with scares 
covers about uh, viruses year after year. Can you year, describe right? that for and me? Then, Can you describe that for me, James? Because this is radio. Describe that. This is radio. They can't see that. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm no, sorry, no, no, no. Don't be silly. Please. No, I know, you, I know you're used to doing video. That's brilliant what you've done there. You've collated, I saw this on the blog, it's excellent. You collated a series of Time magazine covers that describe, well, that basically demonstrates fear-mongering for generations. Right. Well, actually, somebody else put that together. I just uh, copied and pasted it into my in my blog. But uh, I have a lot of screenshots of headlines, and I'm, and people don't have to read this the story. The story's not there, but if they click on the word source, which is underneath the screenshot, for example, uh, we have University of Florida's researchers find no asymptomatic or presymptomatic spread, and then there's a separate study. COVID-19 study of almost 10 million finds no evidence of asymptomatic spread. And then there's another one for the Daily Mail there in the UK, which says experts cannot find a single child under 10 who has passed on coronavirus to an adult despite despite a huge trawl of data. So you'll you see those stories. And, and by the way, it's so absurd to be to be vaccinating the young, as you were saying, Richie. They don't die from COVID unless they have maybe some really terrible underlying condition. And they don't, based on the evidence, and not not the computer modeling, but based on its observational evidence, which is science has always been based on. There's no evidence that children pass on COVID no. to adults, uh, or that asymptomatic people, healthy people, do that. So it's nonsense. But in this blog post, um, as you're saying, what I wanted to aim for was short videos. So most of them are one or two minutes long, because if you're like me, Richie, sometimes people say this is a must watch video and they send it to you, but you find it's two or three hours long. And so what I have to do is I have to go onto YouTube or BitChute or wherever it is and turn on the settings and speed it up to one and a half times the speed um, to get through it faster or even skim through it in some cases. Um, But for this particular blog post, I took very short uh, videos. I had a friend of mine who's tech savvy, make them into MP4s, embedded them into the blog post. And you see, uh, doctor after doctor, I start out the the blog post with doctors warning about the vaccines, because I think that's the most important thing. And people are most impressed by the vaccines. But I, I feel it's much more effective to have 30 doctors speak for one minute each than to have one doctor speak for 30 minutes. When when people see that there's a whole army of doctors speaking out against the vaccine, they start, I believe, to start to sit up and take notice. Can I just say, this, James, can I just say, yeah. I, I, most of the, 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 the very short videos on the blog post, which is jamesperloff.net forward slash COVID dash visuals, jamesperloff.net forward slash COVID dash visuals. Um, I was embarrassed and kind of thrilled at the same time when I was extensively going through it today at how many of these people, these experts, these are certifiable experts that even though I do this programme, I had no idea. I had no idea, for example, about Luigi Warren, who um, is an mRNA technology guy who's worked in it, who's worked in developing it. And he's telling people or anybody who listened that the vaccines do in fact shed. I mean, that's vital information. I didn't, I know the vac, or I've been told the vaccines shed, but I wasn't aware of this clip and this guy being out there. It's hugely valuable. Yeah, there's a lot of censored material there. In fact, Luigi Warren, who was a founder of mRNA technology, uh, after he said that uh, these vaccines could shed uh, the the toxic uh, spike protein, uh, Twitter banned him. Now, I don't know if he got back on or not, but they banned him for the, you know, making remarks about the technology he invented. That shows Imagine. you how far the censorship has, has gotten. Um, but uh, after the section of doctors speaking against the vaccine, then I have a section of short video clips 
and uh, screenshots of headlines about the victims. Because you know, it's one thing to read statistics about victims and say, oh, a thousand people or ten thousand people uh, suffered such a, a such a, a side effect. But when you see the victims themselves speaking, it has a, a more profound effect. It makes it very personal. Uh, and then I have a section where doctors, or it's not doctors just talking about the vaccines, but talking about the whole nonsense of the the um, the, the lockdowns. And I have that eight-minute clip from Dr. Samuel White of the NHS included, where he talks about why he resigned from NHS and other doctors speaking out. And then uh, we go into things like the PCR test, why it doesn't work, how it's been banned in certain countries. And we have um, sections on uh, death certificates. I believe um, you had a funeral director on, um, and your show previously was talking about the death certificates. But I have, you know, Dr. Scott Jensen of the USA has been very vocal about the fact that, uh, uh, well, the hospitals are getting paid uh, extra money by the U.S. government to add COVID to death certificates, and it's all—it's just crazy. Um, the numbers are grossly inflated. I'm not saying that COVID doesn't exist, but they grossly inflated it, and of course they—they they also uh, uh, conflated it with uh, other diseases and put all kinds of fake uh, uh, news in, into the mainstream and media. Flu, and uh, told us flu had yeah. disappeared and and RSV had disappeared. Everything else was gone. It was all COVID. What total <laughs> bullshit. James Parloff is our guest, journalist, author and broadcaster. This is an excellent blog. And you also... You also share, you've embedded in the blog, testimonies from people that have had horrendous things happen to them after they've been yep. jabbed. Yeah, yeah, the victims. And uh, that's important for people to see when they see the neurological side effects, um, the, the intense suffering. And there's no going back, as you know, Richie, when, when you when what happens typically with these uh, vaccine victims is they'll go to doctors and the doctors will run standard tests to see if it's a, a stroke, is it something else? And the call comes back negative. And of course, there's no way to fix a COVID vaccine side effect because doctors have no knowledge of this technology. There's no going back once you've uh, had an impact on your your, your DNA. Um, so uh, I wanted to do that. And uh, I also um, was conscious of the fact that some people might want to go deeper into uh, the COVID uh, controversy. And so I have a separate post that I linked to from this uh, main blog post is called Deep Dive COVID Videos. These are videos that are 30 minutes long, an hour long for people who do have that kind of time. And we've got all kinds of whistleblowers there, uh, a funeral home whistleblower, uh, a whistleblower from the World Health Organization, a whistleblower from the mainstream media. That's Sally Beck of the Daily Mail. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, the conservative uh, woman. Brilliant, uh, brilliant journalist. Yeah, well said. Oh, yeah. She's, she's talking about how the, the mainstream media, which she works for, is, is downplaying the vaccine side effects. And we've also got a whistleblower from CBS Pharmacy here in, in the U.S., a whistleblower for the contact tracing program, plus uh, lengthier d discussions with people like Sherry Tenpenny and Dr. Larry Pilevsky and other MDs who are speaking out, uh, scientists who are speaking out against the vaccines. So um, I've tried to... Um, you know, through the book and through the, the, the videos and, and the graphics, try to reach every um, level of audience out there because we need to, to save people. And also, I think we need to get people uh, stopping um, uh, out there in the streets because one, one section I also have in, in, in the uh, short uh, video section, the short video post, is some of the protests that were taking place, many of them, just most of them over just this past weekend, which is something I wanted to talk about. Is I'm amazed at uh, the number of countries, uh, and it wasn't just London, of course. As France was amazing this past weekend, um, 
but Ireland, Italy, Greece, uh, Melbourne, Australia, Slovakia, Finland, even little Latvia. They had massive protests against the uh, uh, mandating of vaccine passports and the mandating, which means you're going to have to take the vaccine. They're basically saying you have to get yourself injected. I think they can have trouble in, in Europe, honestly, uh, Richie, with the anger that's been expressed, uh, especially, you know, I was looking at France and I don't know if you saw this, but uh, they surrounded the uh, the residents of Macron and French farmers had these big machines were spraying excrement on his home. And, <laughs> and, you know, you know, I, 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 and, and the French police were putting down their batons uh, and their clubs and walking with the people. Same thing in Italy. And, uh, I, you know, I think it's very important that, that the people of Europe do this because, um, you know, Boris and his Macron and the, their other cohorts who work for the city of London and for the central bankers and not for the people of the countries uh, that they, they're supposed to represent. Uh, they need to feel more heat from the people than they are from from the, the Rothschild family at this point. Um, and I think that that's starting to happen. So I'm hoping that through the education we pr uh, present through our increasingly censored alt media that we can continue to wake people up and that these protests will, will grow. You know, right now is the time to do it while the weather's warm. Uh, the people to get out there and make the politicians feel that they have to back off. And maybe, you know, my, my great wish would be that uh, the central bankers and Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates and that group will back off of this plan to try to totally lock down the world permanently. Um, that's coming, isn't so, it? That's coming in the yeah. autumn, isn't it? Let's be honest about it. Yeah. They they plan to repeat this again in the autumn, but on steroids. And I know you dropped in the Rothschild name, but you know, for me, it's a cabal of 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 um, central bankers. It's a cabal of think tanks and groups like the World Economic Forum and and Bill Gates. I I, I don't know how many people are involved in it, but uh, it's. Um, it's just going to keep repeating, isn't it? I mean, I, my, my big concern is, James, that if the vaccines continue to hurt people, as probably you and I suspect they will, they're going to blame the vaccine damage. Now, I know this, is, this isn't groundbreaking stuff. I know you've said this already. Many people have said it already, but it bears repeating. They're going to bloody blame new variants, aren't they? The jabs are going to hurt people in the winter, and they're going to say, new variants... More lockdowns, more restrictions. And here's something which is common, I think. Climate lockdowns, James. Lockdowns to deal with climate change. They're loving lockdowns. Lockdowns is going to be all the rage in the coming years, right? Well, uh, that's interesting. Uh, they can get away with anything. Climate change lockdowns do sound strange, but I guess if they say that we're using uh, too much of a carbon footprint, they could probably get away with telling the public anything. They That the lies have become so absurd. Um but um, would it shock you? Uh, would it shock you if I told you that they've already been speaking about this? Uh, there was a bloke whose name escapes me on Tucker Carlson three weeks ago, four weeks ago, and he's an expert on this. I enjoyed his interview, so I, I, I invited him on. I'm ashamed that I can't remember his name. It's been a long, it's been a long day, but he came on here. They've already discussed this. They love this this idea that we can reduce carbon output by locking people down. Now, that doesn't uh, mean that they're specifically talking about locking people into their homes, but a, a lockdown in terms of telling people that, well, on such a weekend, you can't travel in, in order to reduce the carbon output. You can't have so much red meat. Uh, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't fly. That's the sort of thing they're already discussing. And they're using COVID lockdowns as their, well, evidentiary basis. They're saying, look, look, it worked for COVID, so why can't we use it for the environment? These are lunatics, these people. 
Uh, uh, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, and it's interesting, um, Luc uh, Montagnier, uh, I believe you mentioned earlier in, 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 in the, the broadcast, has already stated that, that not only are the vaccines unthinkable, but he said that they're created a new variants. And Judy Mikovits, I just saw an interview that uh, she did with uh, Dr. McCullough, and she said the, it's, it's the vaccines cause a new variant. And this one really shocked me. This is pretty new. Uh, it's Geert van den Boschie, B-O-S-S-H-E, Ph.D. Now, he's held positions in the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, yeah. the Gavi Alliance, Dutch the Vars yeah. vaccines. And he has come out and said that we have to stop the vaccines now. They're destroying people's immune system. And he says he says they're creating a new variants. Now, it kind of makes sense to me, uh, Richie, you know, besides being a writer for alt media since 1985, when I started with a new American, I've been a uh, well, I was a registered nurse for for 45 years in the state of Massachusetts here. Um, and it's that's one reason why as soon as the lockdown started in the quarantines of the healthy, I said, this doesn't make sense. We've never done that. Um but uh, uh, even um, you have this uh, this high ranking official from the Gates Foundation saying that the variants are being caused by um, the uh, the uh, the vaccines. And uh, but of course, uh, uh, it, it, you know, this. Well, I was gonna, what I meant to say, Richie, was that we've seen this uh, uh, an, an analog of this in uh, antibiotics. And antibiotics don't treat viruses. They, they treat uh, bacteria. But yeah. as you'll recall. Uh, the overuse of antibiotics is, in the past created superbugs, right? Because there would be certain very strong bacteria that would survive the antibiotics and they would create a, a, you know, a heavy new strain that would impact the public. So it makes sense that just as antibiotics create new variants of bacteria, that the uh, these highly specific uh, uh, spike protein vaccines, if we can even use that term to describe them, will create new variants as well. Uh, and so they'll, then the, they'll tell the public, well, you have to have a vaccine for the variant. And after the Delta variant, it'll be the Epsilon variant. It'll yeah. probably go through the whole Greek alphabet, right? And this, I saw this the other day, well, just yesterday, I think it was, it was Justin Trudeau said that Canada's already signed contracts with um, uh, Pfizer for uh, COVID vaccines for the years 2022, 2023, and 2024. Now, how could politicians possibly know that COVID will still be around three years from now. This is insanity. Absolute insanity, Richie. It's insane, James. And it's it, well done for bringing up um, Geert van den Bosch. Well done for bringing up Judy Mikovits. Because when you say that, it, it always hits me in the face. These are not nobodies. These are certifiable experts in their fields. Mm. Um, when I meet people in my local park, some of them know you know, I live in Salford, in, in, in Greater Manchester, and I'm known now for being the guy who does the show, you know. And some of them, <laughs> some of them, some of them, and, and you'll be known in, 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 in your neighbourhood as, as James, the guy who writes the books. And, and, and some of them look at you and oh, this is nonsense. And I had an exchange with a guy yesterday. They're always pleasant, always. I make a point, never lose patience with people. And I just nice. metaphorically grabbed him, you know. I didn't grab him, but I said, listen, why do you think these people, the people who developed mRNA, Dolores Cahill, Sucharit Bhakti in Germany, and you mentioned Judy, why do you think these people are coming out and saying that people should be careful? What's in it for them? There's nothing in it for them other right. than this is their considered expert opinion. And with their considered expert opinion in one hand, and Fauci and the other <laughs> morons in the other hand, why would you take a chance, James? 
So my philosophy is, no thank you, you can stick your jabs where the sun doesn't shine. I don't need, <laughs> I don't need Judy Mikovits to be right. I don't need Geert van den Bosch to be right. I just know that they believe they are right. Why would I take a chance? And that's what I say to the kind of, not to the unconverted, but to people that are a bit you know, a bit agitated about the jab. I say, why would you take a bloody chance? These are not nobodies. These are people who've earned the right to their opinion. Right. And on top of that, uh, uh, top officials, uh, uh, notably there in the UK, uh, I've seen footage of Boris Johnson with his uh, uh, aides uh, uh, chumming it up and no mask and no social distancing. And then we had, of course, we had Neil Ferguson, Professor Lockdown, carrying on an affair with a married woman. Uh, the guy who it was his model there at Imperial College that was used by Fauci to convince Donald Trump to shut down America on Friday the 13th of March of uh, last year. And then then, of course, most recently, and I have the pictures of this um, that your media uh, in the UK so um, um, uh, responsibly uh, captured of, of, of uh, Matt Hancock carrying on enough, him married, carrying yeah. an affair with Gina's married aide. And he was no mass, no social distancing. <laughs> right. So the people at the top don't believe in and, and the G7 summit, the same thing. Prince Charles, Justin Trudeau, Macron, they're all chumming it up. No mask and social distancing. So if they don't believe in it and they're but they're imposing it on us, what does that tell people? It's so in your face obvious. Well said, uh, James. James net forward slash COVID dash visuals covid dash visuals james net. you should be on james's website and support i say this because i mean it support independent journalism do pick up a copy of james's book covid19 and the agendas to come red pilled you know the worst part of reading your blog for me today was and i i think you mentioned it already the futility of that poor two-year-old child in virginia whose parents put the child forward for the vaccine trial Mother of Jesus, James, how how absolutely needless that is! A child to be killed by being by being given a, a, a Pfizer mRNA jab. I uh, look, listen. You wouldn't want to make the parents' misery any worse, but what were they thinking? Why would you put a baby forward for a trial? Especially when when babies uh, don't get it. And yeah. you know, I I first kind of got awake to. Uh, uh, vaccines being questioned by them when I was a registered nurse working at a major Boston area hospital back in 1990, um, You know, you know, today you see babies being jabbed with hepatitis B on the day that the vaccine, on the day that they're born. And why would you do that? You're only going to get hepatitis B from a dirty needle or from a prostitute. And, you know, we were told in 1991 in this major hospital was we should get three hepatitis B shots because Hepatitis B was a dangerous disease. We could get it, but uh, the only way you're going to get it from a dirty needle, and we were we weren't recapping needles anymore. We tossed them into drop boxes, and our IVs no longer used needles. We had adapters, and so I said, I'm not taking any three shots for hepatitis B. The chances I get it are one in several million. And uh, they said, well, you have to sign waivers. So I signed waivers. But that was a wake up call for me about, um, goodness, that was 30 years ago now. I said, there's something going on here that isn't right. They're telling us to do things that don't make sense. And that's what we're hearing all through uh, the, this pandemic is that children should be getting vaccinated even though they don't, they don't, they don't uh, get it or die from it or pass it on. What, what sense does that make? None at all. 
um, we're, we're, uh, we're told, trust the science. Well, look at the science and you'll see that what Fauci is saying and what the British health ministry and the ministry, health ministry of the others who are on the payroll, on the pad, are saying makes no sense whatsoever. It does, is not in conformity with science. And we see the science changing. You know, we've seen this in other areas, for example, um, transgenderism. You know, uh, Bill Nye, the science guy, you might have heard of him as a figure on actor on American media. 20 years ago or so, he did a show on males and females, and he said that your sex is decided by your chromosomes. Now he comes on, he says your sex is decided by you. I mean, yeah. the science changes, and Fauci changes the science. The World Health Organization changes the science. They used to say that herd immunity came from people being exposed to a, a, a virus or a disease in the community. Yeah. Now they've changed it on their website. Now herd immunity comes by from, from vaccines. It's like Orwell. You know, they change the meanings of words and terms. And they're not relying on science. Fauci just makes the science whatever he wants it to be. You need a mask. You don't. I said, this is one reason why I still like to be on Twitter as long as I am. There was somebody posted something the other day of Fauci saying, you need a mask. You don't need a mask. You need a mask. You don't need a mask. <laughs> About, you know, half a dozen times each, each, you know, yeah. and, and that he just says whatever he feels like. And he constantly contradicts himself. Like, in fact, there was one satire site. The Babylon Bee had, had a picture of 17 Fauci's and they're all arguing with each other because they all disagree with each other. Um, do you know what that crazy. tells this us? This is not science. Well done, James. And what that tells us is that ultimately Anthony is not making the decisions. These are front men and right. front women. Right. And that's something that people need to to wake up to. And I, I don't want to sound harsh in saying that, but at this stage now, it's entry-level stuff that Boris Johnson and and Joe Biden are not running things. They're not. They're just <laughs> front men. And if at this stage you don't understand that, you know, but just for a laugh, just to keep it... I love having you on because we always giggle. We're, we're living in such a mad world, James, that I don't know if it's tomorrow or if it's Thursday, but a man is going to compete in the women's weightlifting tournament in the Olympics in Japan. A man, this transgender uh, woman who's massive and who's bigger than me and you put together, who identifies as a, as, as, as a, as a woman, is, is going to be weightlifting for New Zealand, a man taking part in the female competition. We live in a lunatic asylum, James. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And you'll notice that no women... Uh who say that they think they're men compete in men's sports. Uh, it's so obvious that it's it, it's insane. And it, it, it cheats the women of what they've worked for for so long. And those men who compete in women's sports saying that they're women, claiming that they're women, that, that uh, they're mediocre as male athletes, but they get to win gold medals. It's, it's, it's just one more, uh, you're right, we're in a lunatic asylum. Uh, we're seeing it go downhill fast and we need to look I, I we need to look to the, the past really in, in the past uh we were a lot of us were more blue-pilled but at least the society as a large you go back to when i was a child society as a large was moral and uh were, were relatively prosperous and um uh we were clean as a society we, we don't see that anymore we see we're seeing such degradation in so many ways and it's being directed for the top. You know, when 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 President uh, Obama gave orders for transgender bathrooms, which he did and signed an executive order, that wasn't coming from a handful of uh, transgenders no. lobbying the White House. That was coming from the top down. That the president doesn't respond to people at the bottom. He responds to people at the top. And that's, uh, firstly, uh, worldwide, that's been the case for a long time now. I've got a book on my shelf 
uh, bookshelf written in 1937 called America's 60 Families by Ferdinand Lundberg, one of the most eminent finance journalists of his days. And it was how America was controlled in 1937 by an oligarch. And he showed how they owned the media back then. Even back then. Uh, wow. Yeah, back then, you know, uh, most of it, you know, and it's more consolidated now, of course. But uh, we've been under oligarchs for a long time, but they give us democracies to have the illusion that we have choice. Let me ask you this. I've never asked you this. And I think I think the first time I met you, I was doing radio in Spain. So that's that's many years ago. And since then, you've been kind enough to come on whenever I've invited you on. You've always been fantastic value. Your books are excellent. But I've never asked you this. Are you a spiritual man? Absolutely. Uh, but not when I grew up. And when I grew up, I grew up in an agnostic home. We had no God in our home. I uh, listened to uh, you know, heard Darwinist teachings in, in sixth grade, which uh, made me believe that we were all, you know, descended from apes. And so you know, I've written a couple of books on Darwinism since then. Uh, it's funny how many things come out of England, the Beatles, Darwin, comes. <laughs> right. it's pretty amazing. But anyway, uh, I, uh, yeah, I uh, eventually got into a new age cult, then found that it, it was uh, pretty evil, got out of it, got into Christianity, went through different phases of Christianity, you know, I, I, different Basically, I stuck to the evangelical groups. They were more conservative, more uh, uh, anti-abortion and more traditionalist. But I found there were a lot of the teachers were false or very pro-Zionist. And finally, I settled on the the Orthodox Church, which is an Eastern church. It's not a Western church. You know, the East and the West, they split in 1054 AD. And then the Vatican started to I think Catholics will pardon me for saying this. The Vatican started to degrade in certain ways, and we certainly see it today, especially since what they call Vatican II. And then so the Protestants came out and they rebuilt, but then the Protestants split into a thousand pieces. And of course, as you know, King Henry VIII, he founded the, the, the Church uh, of England based upon him wanting to get a divorce. It's crazy, just all this splintering. But I found that the Eastern Orthodox Church, they still worship the way Christians did in the fourth century when Constantine legalized it. So that's where I've been since 2017 is in the Orthodox Church. But I have to say this, the Orthodox, uh, I know many awake uh, Orthodox uh, Christians, but uh, I have to say that uh, most Orthodox Christians, when it comes to politics, they're blue-pilled like the rest of the society. They're watching the same mainstream media. But uh, in terms of uh, spiritual worship, yes, I am a Christian and I became Orthodox in uh, 2017. Brilliant. My my um, great friend, Jean Anne, um, who her, her age would be similar to yours, I think. Um, she loved the comment about lots of things coming from England, Darwinism, the, the Beatles and Freemasonry, of course. On the Freemasonry right. thing, I was chatting with a very good friend of mine about it the other day. A lot of people get hung up about Freemasonry. And, and, you know, members of Freemasonic Lodges. And a friend of mine was talking to me the other day from, I think from some perspective, I think a family member of his was involved in the Masons. And he said, Richie, at the very top of these secret societies, there are some very, very, very sinister things going on. And there are right. some, but he said, uh, when it comes to the Freemasons, this is what he said. He said, um, at the base level of it, it's just a lot of blokes who meet five or six times right. a year. What do, you, what, right. what do you think of that? I think that is absolutely spot on. Here in America, we have, uh, we call Blue Lodge uh, Masons, the first, second, and third degrees, and they just get together for fellowship. I've even been on a radio show to run by Freemasons. You know, and, and they're fine. In fact, my, my maternal grandfather was a Freemason and he died before I was born. But they're, yeah, you're right. They're regular blokes at the bottom level. At the top level, though, they get recruited and um, they've been involved in sinister things. Uh, you know, you look at, uh, you know, I've written on the attack on Pearl Harbor and you'd be amazed at 
you know, you know, America foreknew that attack and it was set up and provoked. But uh, you'd be amazed to see President Roosevelt was a high-ranking Freemason. So was General George Marshall, who became our first five-star general and covered up what we knew about Pearl Harbor. And the man who invest was hired to investigate uh, Pearl Harbor, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Henry Clausen, became the head of all Freemasons in America. You can see how they worked. But something I've interested been, I've been told. Um, Richie, is that after World War II in America, you know, Freemasonry began to decline in influence. And the reason for that was they had created the CIA, which was a taxpayer funded secret society, if you will. And they no longer needed the Freemasons so so much as they, they did before. So then Freemasons ceased to to carry on as important a role as they had because they, now they had the CIA and of course they had MI6 in Britain and, and yeah. so forth. More but yeah, the Freemasons definitely... Uh, a big role in revolutions, whether you're talking about Mazzini's revolution in Italy or the French Revolution, where they had 2,000 lodges with the revolutionary committees, or even in America, you know, when but we have a famous character named Paul Revere. I'm sure you've heard of him in his famous yeah, Midnight yeah, yeah. Ride. But he was, he was, uh, the man who said on that uh, Midnight Ride was Charles Warren, who was the head of the uh, Freemasonic Lodge that met at the Green Dragon Tavern in, in Boston. So was uh, Paul Revere. And so are the people Paul Revere is writing to meet John Hancock. Uh, he was a member of the same lodge, and but that's not in our history books, you know. But the yeah. Freemasons were were used as tools, uh, foot soldiers, if you will, uh, in in many of the revolutions that overthrew the kings. And then when the over many of the kings were overthrown, then the so-called democracy moved in, and the democracies were controlled by the media as to who would get elected. So you've got people like Macron now, and Boris Johnson, and uh, even Biden, uh, who you know, we've had many evil presidents in the United States, but this is the first time we've had a completely senile president. They just, he just signs whatever's pushed in front of him. He doesn't even know what he's sign, signing or saying or doing. And you know, ordinarily, I'd be the devil's advocate and I would be fair and I would say, I give over, James. That's unfair. You don't know that he's senile. But <laughs> I think, yeah, he doesn't look compass mentis, does, does Biden. And you'd have to, to wonder about that. Very interesting what you said about the CIA, the evolution or the, the, the genesis of the intelligence agencies and how there was no need for, uh, the, the, you know, the Freemasonry after that. Hugely interesting. As usual, time flies when you and I chat. We've only got about two minutes left because uh, I have to um, read a couple of emails before I get off air. James's blog is brilliant. jamesperloff.net forward slash COVID dash visuals. Go to jamesperloff.net. You'll find it easily. Do pick up a copy of COVID-19 and The Agendas to Come. Red-pilled, brilliantly indexed book. Very easy to read. And, you know, when you read it and you pass it on to somebody who's maybe on the fence, who's maybe just about asking some questions, James's book will be uh, very helpful. Um, final question then. I suppose I always ask this, you know, it'll probably be in the autumn when we get back together again, you and me, for another uh, chinwag, as we say over here. Um, <laughs> what, what what will it look like then, do you think? What will things uh, well, be like? I, you know, right now we're out of lockdown in my state of Massachusetts. One reason why you don't see so many protests in America right now, besides the fact that we're more blue pill than Europeans and Brits are, is that... Uh, some of our states have passed uh, laws against vaccine passports and so, uh, many of the states are out of lockdown. So you don't see the protests uh, as much in America. But I believe we're going back in lockdown. Uh, they had to, to drop the lockdowns because it's warm weather. The flu season's over. There's no the people with respiratory diseases are not going to the hospital. But I believe that once the autumn comes and the flu season returns, they're going to run those PCR tests and claim it's COVID. And they're going to put us back into heavy duty lockdown. That's what I believe that they will do. Uh, that's what I'm concerned about. So I think people would be, are wise to protest now 
get Boris and Macron and the rest of the world leaders to back off of these vaccine passports and mandatory vaccinations before they have a chance to lock us down even further. Brilliant to have you on, James. We should do it more often than we do. It's normally every five or six months we should do it more often because um, you're always great value. You're always incredibly well briefed, my friend, and that's not always the case when uh, when I speak to people about these issues. Thanks for your time today. Great blog, by the way, and uh, until next time. Okay, thank you. And by the way, I don't deserve to be on uh, more often. You have so many great guests, and I just heard your interview with uh, that lady Jackie on the Matt Hancock uh, oh, Jesus, first said uh, morphine yeah. for uh, good deaths in hospitals I mean that was criminal uh, that is murder uh, but you've had incredible guests so I, I'm honoured that you have any room for me at all all the time James thanks for coming on and next time I, I always make a mistake next time I'll say Massachusetts not New York I'm a plonker but that's the way it is Massachusetts of course Massachusetts finest son James Perloff James thank you until next time bye for now Great Thank you, God bless and to your audience. And you too, James. Thank you. Love James Perloff. Uh, terrific guest. Should be on more often, James. Let me read a couple of quick emails from Carolyn. These are referencing my conversation with Kate Chemerani earlier on. Car- Carolyn starts off by saying, Richie, mate, nice to hear how it should be done with a proper journalist, but that was a little unfair. The bit that got me was bringing up her son. You said, Richie, that I would never do that, but you did, Richie. That's scraping. Not your best moment, in my honest opinion, says Carolyn. Carolyn, thanks for for the email. It's in the public domain. It's everywhere. The Sun has spoken to the BBC. He's spoken to Sky. And I didn't bring it up in any way to be hurtful or to, as, as a gotcha moment. I didn't do that. And if I wanted to be a bit of a, a bit of a bastard, I had dug out the audio of her son speaking to BBC Radio 4 and I decided not to play it. Uh, because it's, it, I, I felt it was wrong to play it. I had to bring it up because the, the the whole point was I'd said that she was narcissistic and that people like her don't do a lot for the the cause they claim to represent. And she gets right of reply and she comes on. I had to mention what the son said. It's as simple as that. If I didn't, I'd have been hammered for not bringing it up. But thank you. I want to acknowledge Ron too, who sent me an email. Ron! Richie, I hope we don't fall out, he says, over this email, because we have enjoyed your shows and feedback uh, over uh, the last year or so. And then Ron asks me about a certain guest who's not been on of late and has asked me about disagreements. I get these questions from time to time about various guests. People email me and say, oh, Richie, you didn't have that woman on for ages and you didn't have this man on. Oh, what, what, what did you fall out? Two things, and please take this the right way. And I, I don't say this to Ron. I don't. I say this to everybody. Number one, it's none of your business. And number two, I'm not in the habit of falling out with anybody. There are often very good reasons why I choose not to invite people back onto the programme. But as a professional broadcaster, I'm not going to say, well, I haven't invited somebody back on because I'm not going to do that. When you don't hear somebody for quite a while... You might hear them soon. They might be on again next week or next month. Or you might not hear them again. That's a personal choice. And I have good reasons. But they're my reasons. Ron, thank you. Ron goes on in his email to criticise me for ranting about Reiner Fulmich and somebody called Michael O'Bernicia. Ron, I'm not ranting about them. I'm pointing out that these people will never see the light of day 
in a court of law against Matt Hancock or Sajid Javid and they'll never take the manufacturers of the PCR test to court. They never will. And I know this, Ron, and it's my duty to express that. You don't like it. And that's okay. Jesus, we're not going to fall out over that. This is what personal choice is all about. I do a live radio show Monday to Thursday. I have no ego about that. I really don't. None. You listen to it if you like it. If you don't, you don't. Fair enough. You're going to hear things on my radio show that you don't like hearing. And I'm not saying this to Ron. I'm saying that to you. If you don't like it, tough shit, Paddy. Simple as that. I open the phone lines. You can come on anytime you want and speak to me and have a go at me. I'll treat you with respect. I treated Kate Chemerani with respect earlier on. I gave her a bit of a chasing. She stood up to it. She did well. Fair enough. Uh, a wise old man, not so old, called David Icke once said to me, the truth, Richie, will stand up to any scrutiny, no matter how aggressive that scrutiny is, so long as the journalist gives the person a chance to answer the question. That's what I do. Give him a chance. I don't grandstand. I'm not in the business of trying to embarrass people. That's all I have to say on that. Thanks for your comments. I think 60 or 70% were, were, were telling me that I didn't do a great job with Kate. So, so there you are. Maybe there's something in it. I don't know. Maybe there isn't. Right. Closing out with this then. Good night. Look after yourselves and one another. Back tomorrow at five. Thank you, Kate Chemerani. And thanks as always to James Perloff. I see nothing in front of me.